0: This week I had a fascinating conversation about all that we can learn and harness from nature with Claire Vanderplanck. Now, Claire, through her company Weapons of Mass Creation, provides a Vision Quest service. And so through this conversation, we really dived into what is a vision quest, but most importantly, the role of nature within that. And from that, we opened out the conversation to all that we can learn from the systems and systems within nature. This really is a super conversation with a lady who has spent a lot of time going solo by herself out into nature, and you can really tell that there's a lot of depth of character that she's drawing on here. So enjoy, Claire. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host Bryn Edwards. Today I have the great pleasure of welcoming Claire Vanderplank.
1: Thank Claire. you for having me. <laughs> You're very,
0: very welcome. So those who don't know you, um, you are very big in wilderness coaching, shamanic work, body work, vision questing, and you've even created weapons of mass, mass creation, creation recently something yeah. like that um Tell me a bit more about weapons of mass creation
1: well, that's my business name basically
0: there's the umbrella for all the things yeah for all the things
1: which is actually quite I mean there's quite a lot in just explaining the evolution of that name because it actually started back when I did have a full-time job and I wasn't Mm. really thinking about having my own business but I wanted to like do like I've always sort of like looking at the bigger picture and seeing Mm. how like society is functioning and I just got Mm. really into like like it was sort of back in the era when flash mobs were really Big and I just kind of really liked that little like putting in a little disruption thing. So I had organized a couple of community things, not flash mobs, yes. <laughs> but varying from like making a funny video to help get a certain senator re elected to doing like a community um, world. Cafe Dialogic World Cafe mm. to help co-create um, the community response to this long-term energy plan. Yeah, and so I just needed like because I wasn't doing it for work; I was doing it like for me. Yes, um, or for the community. So I needed a name. So that name came about <clears throat> through a. Do you know Faithless? The yes. like old school, like UK oh, yes. underground oh, beginning very, of ra- very yeah. much so. Yes. Yeah. So they
0: see them live several times.
1: Yeah, they have a song about weapons of mass destruction Destruction. yes but they've you in that song the lyrics kind of play on the what is a weapon of mass destruction so out of that i kind of thought well what's a weapon of mass creation Yes, and so i picked that name like even before i got into the spiritual stuff and then now it's taken on this whole other meaning for me even though Mm. you know lots of people were like well you should just be using your name because it's just you. And yeah. like branding wise, you should just use your name. It's simpler. But I like can't let go of that name, Weapons of Mass Creation because- It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I realize that's really what I am about is like, you know, even through work with, whether it's individuals or a group of people, it is about how do we get more in touch with just, you know, creation itself and the patterns yeah. of creation and express those harmonious patterns of creation in an intentional way Mm. such that we can you know restore harmony whatever else all those lovely things but the name weapons of mass creation to me like captures the energy of it because there is like a fierceness and a warrior like Mm. tunis but it's also about you know there's the you know there's a play on words with creation versus destruction um so that you know it's about love and unity and all the rest of it Mm. but then actually how do we work together in a way that, and not just together as humans, but actually together as all of creation. Yes. And, yeah, so And that's stuck in- with the name. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's interesting because one of the things that shines through with you is, you know, your sort of fierce passion around integrating with nature. Mm. Um, where does that come from in the Claire journey?
1: Um, I mean, I think to a certain extent, you know, I couldn't really ever have separated it from from who I am not just in a general way you know like rural mm. nature but like it's always been something that's been a part of me like even when I was a kid I think I was in year 3 and I had I'd watched a documentary on um, dolphins the night before and then in show and tell in class the next day I stood up and told the class that dolphins were more intelligent than humans because they didn't destroy their environment um, And I think I was doing a pretty good job. (laughs) Yeah. Because then the teacher got me to go and um, sit down. (laughs) Right. So it's always been a part of me. But then, you know, I'd I'd sort of gone on a journey of kind of always knew that I needed to work with people. Mm. So I'd gotten into the health profession um, Mm. originally, but did feel like I wasn't being able to link that to, you know, sustainability issues sufficiently. Mm. Um, and eventually come around to work, you know, as a, I guess, sort of in corporate kind of sustainability. Um, But during that time, I had gone through the big um, sort of phase shift in my life after getting hit by a truck. Mm, Um, In New Zealand. Yeah, so it was, you know, a literal getting hit by a truck, not a metaphorical one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Although, you know, the effects were probably both literal and metaphorical in that way. Um, because I ended up having to do something different. Like it had hurt me just enough that I was, you know, left a little bit mm. damaged.
0: Gave you a life slap as I totally
1: to it. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I certainly tried to ignore it for as long as I could, <laughs> but because it was a physical...
0: What were you ignoring?
1: Um, the pain or right. pain, but then also, um... You know, like I was thinking, oh, if I told someone what I was feeling, they would say I was depressed, except that I don't get depressed, so I don't understand what this is. But everything, all the hard things, you know, like everybody, used to ups and downs, but I was always able to just go, oh, well, I'll just wait for it to pass and it will pass. But this one wasn't passing. Yeah. But...
0: So it demanded your attention.
1: Yeah. But I certainly, you know, pushed the edge of that. (laughs) Mm. Like... No, just keep... And I was like, oh, all right, I can't, I can't actually work this one out for myself, which mm. was probably the first time in my life I've ever had that, oh, I can't actually just do this by myself. Right. Um, and there's more of a story, you know, in how things kind of lined up for me to get to this point, but I ended up going on um, what we call like, say we, because now I'm part of this lineage way of nature... Certainly didn't think that was going to be the case. Like early on, I just knew I needed to feel connected again. Yes. I saw an invite for something that was spend a week alone with guaranteed no one's going to talk to you (laughs) in the wilderness of Flinders Island, Tasmania. Wow. I was like, fuck yeah. Like Mm. (laughs) no one's going to talk to me for a week. Like take me. (laughs) Gold. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I signed up. Yeah, just basically going, okay, you know, I sensed that this was going to be a deep rest that I really Mm. needed at that point in time. Um, But, you know, what I got from it was so much more and then did go on and, you know, dramatically change the course of my life. But, you know, back to that question about how um, nature, you know, became a real strong part of my journey. Like it was during that first sacred passage that, On Flinders. Yeah, on Flinders, where I had that first real taste of just what a magic, enchanted, dynamic process of, you know, being in constant dialogue that is possible when you're in deep connection. Like, I had never. With nature. With nature. Yeah. Slash spirit, but there's no, Mm. you know, Mm. experiences like that show you that there isn't, there's no difference. You know, nature is spirit made manifest and. You know, mm. you can see how spirit operates through looking at nature. Um, but that's when I kind of, you know, got things in this, like it completely changed my whole worldview. And so from then being a, you know, very intellectually based sustainability person, right? my approach to what I was trying to do then, you know, even mm. though the intention in a way was the same, but the approach to it was, you know, a whole 180, Right, and that's how I've ended up, you know, slowly then getting back to doing healing work. You know, worked in health before, but not sure how much of it was health. real healing, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, plus then, of course, you know, doing the nature quests and vision quests, yes. Um, and yeah, building, building on that, building area. and building mm. from that place, yep.
0: Um, tell me about vision quests because mm. there are, I myself have not done one, mm-hmm. there's something. Very attractive about the idea. For those who don't know, tell, tell me about <laughs> what they are mm-hmm. and what role they play.
1: Well, tradition. Well, vision quest for a start. The terminology comes from Native American culture. Mm. Um, even though you see around the world, you know, there's always practices of mm. spending solo time in nature in some form. Um, but vision quest. The term comes from a ritual practice where an individual would feel you know sometimes it was you do it as a rite of passage you know moving into adulthood in some cultures it was used in a way that you know just whenever you felt that it was time Mm. you did it so there's always some variation but
0: a bit of a call from within
1: yeah because you have to be ready for it because the level of surrender that's required is Mm. so great that if you're not actually a hundred percent yes i really want to do this even though you can feel very nervous about it um, because, to go back to what it is, it involves spending um, a period of time. Four days is a, is a common time frame for it. Um, sometimes it would vary. You, you leave when you've received your vision, so it mm. could be however long it takes. Um, but yeah, you go out to a place in nature, um, which of course back then like was everywhere, still is everywhere, but meaning like quite wild places yes. where you're gonna be in guaranteed solitude.
2: Yeah,
1: um, You have to stay in one small circle and you're not allowed to leave for any reason. Mm. You can't bring anything with you, so that could mean, um, like traditionally, it could be really a situation where if a modern human was placed in it, that would be likely to die, meaning like, no food, no water, no clothing, no shelter. And often like, you know, on a mountaintop or something. So you're yeah. really exposed to the elements. Um, in <clears> some <throat> cases, no sleep. So right. that the, the line between the waking and the dreaming state was blurred. Blurry, yeah. As well as just putting you through, you know, even more of an ordeal. Um, but with the purpose of receiving a vision for right. what your true purposes in this lifetime.
0: Sounds like Jesus is forty days and forty nights. Exactly. Wild locusts and honey.
1: Exactly. You know, there's no it's no coincidence that, yeah. you know, Jesus, Buddha, you know, they had these yeah. profound transformations and realizations while in nature.
0: Yeah. On their yeah. own.
1: On their own. It's the solitude's so important because so many of those um the the blocks to being in a constant state of connection Mm. come because of or through human relationship. So even though we can feel relatively, you know, relaxed Mm. or we don't think of ourselves as having, you know, social anxiety or attachment issues or, you know, whatever it is, we actually still are, to a certain degree, holding a lot of, um, you know, armoring to... and, And partly it's just actually, you know, it's healthy to... Yep. functioning that way because...
0: In the current society yeah, and, and thing that we're playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, even <clears throat> even just in, in general, like just to mm. be, you know, doing things throughout the day, de- you know, like there's a certain level of a particular kind of functioning that you need to, mm. you know, serve your role in your tribe or community, or society, um, but in order to, you know, have those kind of breakthrough realizations, it sort of does take you to be in a different state. Mm. Um, So yeah, solitude's one of the six empowerments that we kind of talk about. Um, But yeah, so traditional vision quest was very much around you receiving um, a vision guidance on your purpose. And then in in so much as it is a rite of passage, then when you go back to your community and it's all held in ceremony like it looks yeah. individual but actually you know it's supported but
0: it's set within the context of the tribe exactly and, yeah and the culture there yeah and how they do
1: yeah things. and you'll, you'll have some you know people know that you're out there mm. and they're energetically holding you and they help prepare you mm. and and then when you come back they receive you back and then you're recognized as changed. and so mm. in a traditional context of vision quest would be used okay all right, so you've received this vision, and now we recognise that that's something that you have to fulfil, um, and it you know then relates to how so people I, fit within there. So
0: culture. I imagine in that time, you would be able to speak freely and share your vision, mm-hmm. and you know and dissect it, integrate, yeah, and then it become part of you and what you do. Yeah. And be respected and held in that place. Yeah,
1: yeah. And look, I mean, I don't want
0: to delineate that because we'll come to that in a minute. Yeah, I imagine.
1: yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, and also, I don't want to, you know, claim that I'm an expert on traditional vision quests because, you know, I'm not Native American. And and also, the quest that I run, we try to base it on intercultural principles. Mm. So we use. Um, the format of a vision quest because it's so effective Mm. and still hold one of the core intents is to help people uncover their true purpose Mm. in this lifetime. But it's also very much about how do we deepen into connection? Because for modern people, like in a traditional context, you don't really need to be taught like the culture does the job of holding people in connection. Yes, That you don't necessarily need certain practices. Yeah that you do to supplant exactly because the culture already does that you're born into it and Mm. there's never any need to go okay well I'm over here and all disconnected and so I need to do these things to you know whereas these days we're all you know almost all of us are born into a really deep um, world view that promotes separation yes and so we very much use you know we call it intercultural principles so the founder of Way of Nature, my teacher, looked at, you know, what uh, wisdom traditions around the world do in order to cultivate deeper connection. Um, and he sort of distilled out the core set of those principles, yep. and we use that as the framework for Way of Nature. Right. And then we go and apply it in nature, yeah. honouring, you know, nature is the greatest church or temple or teacher mm. that we'll ever need and the format wow. of the vision quest is just so effective hmm. um, so what is a
0: modern day format that you yeah, run so look we
1: like. we let people take water that's nice <laughs> so that's good yes <laughs> um, so clothes. there's cl- cl- yep, clothes yep clothes they can take right. clo- i mean everyone ends up naked at some point in time <laughs> like yeah, of course you do <laughs> cuz you're on your solo the sun's out and even people who wouldn't even, like, have thought that that's a thing, but everyone, you know, like, without fail gets the urge to go, oh, yeah, like,
0: because so, no one's around. So I lived in the Alps for <laughs> nearly a year, and one summer, I was there over the summer in a, a ski um, resort, and I walked up to the top of this mountain, and, you know, I've got my couple my sandwiches out, and I just think, yeah, right. Chopped <laughs> all the kit off and yeah. just sat there and... Just, you know, drank my water, ate my sandwiches, looked out across the valley for half an hour, popped my togs back on. Yeah. Back. Anyway, fast forward three weeks later, and another guy who was in a bar, and there wasn't many people in this in, in this ski resort, and, and he said, oh, I've been to the top of bergen Slayer. I was like, oh, I went there three weeks ago. We're chatting, and I just suddenly said to him, did you get your kit off at the top? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and not only did he say yes, but two other guys who were listening in went, oh yeah, we did that. And we, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were talking about, and so, yeah, so yeah I, I get that. Totally. So sorry. Yeah. On, carry but on. Just,
1: <laughs> I mean, I think it's not only a point of like, not that I'm like, I'm not out promoting nudism or whatever, like Naturalism or whatever. Yeah, yeah. nothing against it, but it's not it's my, just my, a thing, my, it's not but... my task in life, but it shows us the fact that everyone's so like, it feels like such a relief mm. just to be able to just be in, you know, the skin that you were born in. Yes. And I think it's, it's partly because, you know, clothing is a sign of, you know, our social expectations. Yes. But then I also think that, you know, at a deeper level, we get that it's also part of our domestication as humans, the fact that mm. we actually need these fabricated clothes. And so, you know, part of that mm. deep connection actually is that, you know, us feeling that we belong out there. Yeah. And that we don't need all these tools and gadgets and like even if you go on a self sufficient, you know, hike for a week where you've got all your food and you know how you're gonna, you know, purify your water and you've got your tent, you've still got all these things that are actually keeping you from yeah. you know,
0: That you have you know. to wear as you travel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you you still have are using technology to keep you alive which is Mm. a natural part of being human as we do use tools and technology Mm. but at some point it's also it keeps continually then removes our steps away from actually just being in one continuous Mm. flow with the landscape and Mm. so that feeling of getting back to being part of and arising from the landscape like you know yeah these are just the little, all the little ways that we've managed to put in layers of separation. Mm. So, sorry to digress. No, no, <laughs> no.
0: I, I led you off there mainly. Um, <laughs> so clothes, water.
1: Oh, what, what? we do. That's right. Yeah. I was like, That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, we have preparation training um, before people go out on their solo time. So the format would be, you know, everyone gathers and then we have at least two full days to prepare people, which is getting them familiar with the land that we're on, of course, mm. um, helping them ground and you know start to shed the layers of the city or wherever mm. they come from, and yeah, introducing them to the principles of way of nature, and then also giving them practices and some tools to use through the process um, yeah. out there. And of course, you know, building the group feel because as much as it is an individual process, the group becomes a big um, part of it, mm. you know. Like it's amazing how much, like the beautiful stories that come out in the sharing afterwards, like how much people were thinking of each other and how much yeah. synchronicity there was through everyone's yeah, experience. You one mm. Yeah, you feel another of it. Which is nice. It's, it's really important because, because we don't have it, you know, integrated as part of... What we do culturally um, doing it as a group then Mm. can in a way start to make up for the fact that we're not being held by our community yeah um, which is good and so yeah so then people go out for um usually i have a four day solo yeah um or all one time my teacher would always tell us off if we use the word solo because you're not solo
0: (laughs) yes so that's four days four nights
1: yep um, so people have to stay in yeah, one circle. We're a bit more um, generous in terms of like, people can define the space for themselves. Um, likewise, we don't provide food for people, but if people feel like they're not gonna be able to get through the fasting, mm. they can bring some things with them, but that's all up to them. Um, we let people take a tent, but they're also invited if you just wanna sleep you know, bring a tarp in case it rains. Like all that's up to you because people have got different comfort levels, mm. and to a certain extent, it's important that um, you know your comfort zone is being pushed. Mm. Because if you are comfortable, you wouldn't get that. Oh, I'm here to do something special. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need to feel like you can't do it. Just like you need to be in that state where you just want spirit nature to come and be part of it with you. Yes. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And four days is good because usually it takes about three days for all the crap to kind of just quieten down enough. (laughs) Mm. And because it takes definitely in the first couple of days, your senses are just learning to open a game. And so in order to pick up on the more subtle level of being, we need our senses to open and, you know, we start to take in things that we didn't know we could just observe without any enhancement hmm. because our senses are so closed off and restricted just from modern life being so stimulating. Yeah. Um, and that's like, you know, one of well, the- sympathetic primary. nervous system, the,
0: the go button switched on yeah. so often and that is very, you know, acutely focused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right from your vision field, through to you know listening yep. and scanning the environment for threats. Totally. To drop into your parasympathetic, where it then suddenly becomes much broader yeah. and more witnessing.
1: Yeah, there. That's a big part of it, but also just our sensory system mm. in itself. It's like a. Um, we have different like thresholds of tolerance. And what we, when we, even though we might think we're not being overstimulated because we've learned to habituate to it, it still is too much for our sensory system. Mm. So we're operating with the floodgates pretty um, well closed. Mm. <laughs> but so when we can go, okay, we're in this gentle, you know, sensory environment, we can then really um, open. And I, I use the. Analogy of like trying to feel things with a glove on. I mean, maybe you have a similar experience. Yeah. now with that on your head. Is like we think we're, we're we're touching everything, but if you take the glove off, you're touching the same things, but with this whole different dimensionality yeah, like and, and like yeah, a fine grain to it. Um, do
0: you leave the do you leave the guys and girls on their own, or do yeah. you drop in on them during the four days?
1: Um, I definitely don't go into anywhere near them physically they do we do have a check-in system so they buddy up with someone um but they don't see each other they pick a spot sort of between their two sites and they have to leave a sign for each other one goes in the morning one goes in the afternoon right personally i don't i don't go out i mean energetically i'll check in with them but um
0: set focus on the person see if you can feel them
1: yeah you know, shamanically there's other yeah. <laughs> techniques as well, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I try not to spy on people. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Remote view. <laughs> Either remotely or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> non-remotely, yes. locally. Um, yeah. So there's, there are, you know, safety protocols, but mm. in general, I mean, in general, like it is safe. Like it's safer than bushwalking. Like you're not even going anywhere. Like Mm. (laughs) there's very little that could happen to you.
0: Do people take notepad and pen or?
1: I let them, I let them. Again, it's suggested that they do not take anything. Right. Leave it up to them to decide if they want to have notepad and pen just to capture Mm. something that seems very you know, significant that they really don't want to forget in its accuracy, mm. with the warning that it can very easily slip into starting to analyse and try to make meaning of something before it's really time to do so. So, yes, you don't want to get into, even though journaling is a wonderful thing, during the quest is not the time yep. for it. Do that later. That makes sense. Um, not only because it's taking you out of the direct experience during those four days, but also because usually what we think has happened is actually not even scratching the surface of what has happened. <laughs> and as soon as you start to try to make meaning mm. of something, then you're in a way really preventing that sort of deeper unfolding to mm. happen because you've sort of lopped it into, that's what that is, okay, next. You know.
0: So give me an idea of, without the specifics of people's visions, what is the sort of experience uh, what are the commonalities of the experience yeah. when the vision starts to turn up
2: you yeah know, the
0: hands out the glove you sens- yeah. you you are more sensitized in in a more yeah in a grounded manner and for want of a better phrase when it starts switching on
1: yeah yeah um there's a lot of healing that goes on yeah.
0: catharsis it's-
1: catharsis which yeah, just as, like I think of it, I really think of things as blocks. Like if I, if you picture someone's mm. ho, whole being as just energy, there's these little places where it catches or is really frozen, and mm. the energy can't flow mm. freely. Being out in relatively untouched nature, which which we
0: have an abundance of here in Western Australia. We
1: we have yeah, it's you know I always hesitate to call things wild or untouched because there's nowhere that's not. But
0: I guess my reference, you know, moving here from England 10 years ago. uh, Yeah, we do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Comparative. Comparatively. And, you know, you you do just to a certain extent have to work with what you've got. Like it's still miles better than being in the city in terms of, like I think of things now a lot more just in terms of patterns Hmm. and, you know, the type of, state that the that system is in and you know the more you can be in places where they're in in this really refined um, dynamic harmonious energy mm. which is always in this state of like moving towards more and more ordered complexity that's really what I mean it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter exactly you know what it is or looks like um, But that's like the feeling of the energy that you're kind of looking for. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so when we're immersed in that energy, whatever's within us, because there becomes this merging with the field that's around you, if you're holding patterns of energy in you that isn't in this dynamic, refined flow, Mm -hmm. it starts to kind of... Just like if you are sifting something, like the bigger bits, like come to the surface. Yeah, right. It sort of sifts out the chunks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then they come up to be healed, and so and after that is released, then you can actually enjoy sinking into a some level of deeper um, refinement. Mm. And often that can be, you know, that can be the realization in itself is. In the process of letting go of something, you can come to a whole bunch of um, realizations and new awarenesses mm. about you or about your role and your purpose. Um, but the visions, you know, visions themselves—it's not actually all that often that it's a, you know, like someone's just pressed play on a movie for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it is. I mean, I know, mm. you know, one of the visions that I hold that has been is most meaningful for me in terms of guiding me. Is something that I received on a sacred passage. Um, I seem, find it usually happens when I'm sort of just waking up. I tend to take a really long time to wake up, but it's quite useful as well because then I stay in that liminal state a bit longer. Mm. And sometimes, you know, when you sort of think you're awake, but then you go, oh, wait, but I'm seeing this thing that must be a dream, that's usually, you know, the time for me mm. that I find it most likely that a spirit's actually going to finally be able to, like, you know, break through the crap and give me something
0: mm. when you say spirit what do you mean by spirit though
1: um i use that very that term very generally to mm. sort of you know refer to the unseen energies really mm. like you know i don't see in my view i don't see that there's you know a separate realm there can certainly seem like different kinds of qualities of energy in different zones, and I do have a, you know, my sort of map of how things are. I do think of it in terms of dimensions, but not in clear, you know, segregation between this is matter and that's spirit, but I'll use the term spirit because there's a lot of beings that don't actually exist in this, you know, supposedly material plane. Mm. Um, And there's different degrees of ability to, you know, interact with them, depending on, Mm. you know, it's all vibration. Like it's, you know, if their vibration's relatively close to how we are, it might be seemingly physical. Seems like some other beings can be a little bit multidimensional. Yep. I mean, that's the whole practice of shamanism is allowing your consciousness to move through different um, zones Mm. to bring to return and bring back healing power and information. so, yeah, spirit's just a nice general term. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> term. Why I asked. Yeah. yeah, and can be like, you know, you could refer to spirit in a way that's, you know, maybe the Christians will call it Holy Spirit or the Native Americans might call it Great Spirit. But this really sort of high level transcendent, um, you know, it's powerful, but it's also all compassionate. And that's a very particular um, way of, well, way of, of an energy of spirit yeah. and yet then there's also spirits, you know, for example, that some people might experience as like ghosts in their house and yeah, that's, you could call that spirit hmm. too, but those are, you know, very, two very different um, yeah, and vibrations and yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, I kind of, if I use the word spirit in a vision quest context, it's yeah, yeah very much that. <clears throat> transcendent Mm. energy that can guide us and, yeah, Mm.
0: tends to be more beneficial. (laughs) So when someone's completed the four days, Mm how do they come out of it? Because you've got to be pretty delicate with them.
1: Yeah. People come back in very different um, states which can really depend on, you know, that process of the blocks coming up, being released and then entering a deeper level of refinement. Mm. You know, that can happen. The longer you spend out, the more you see that that's sort of like a dance. It's like something comes up, it's released, deeper level of refinement, which creates enough stillness and space for then the next, you know, it's Mm. it's all layers. So depending on where people are in that process, they can come out in different states. Usually, though, because people know when the end of it is, there's some form of like, you know, resolving so that... When they come out, they're generally like glowing and floating down the mountain, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because
0: um, you set a time scale. There's something in them that knows that it, we're going in here and then we're ex- coming out for exactly, that. Exactly. It's like when you set your alarm for 20 minutes of meditation and you're always asleep. like...
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you know... At you,
0: 19 minutes and 55 seconds.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's very much like that. Yeah. Um, Which is cool on its own right. It is, it is cool. I mean, and that's my favorite part is like, you'd see people come back and like, mm. you know, sometimes they're just so bright and shiny. You're like, whoa, man, I think I need sunglasses just to yeah. look at you. And they're like, I don't feel any, like,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, really? Like, oh, I thought I was just Must a be bit beautiful. dirty. Like, <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, that's also part of the, you know, we have at least, 24 hours together before people go back um, yeah. home, which, you know, I, sometimes I do wish was longer. But it's hard for people just to take a week off. Hmm. You know, as
0: that, it is. that is seven days right there, isn't
1: it? Yeah. So you, my standard program is like eight nights, hmm. seven days basically. Yep. Um, it would be helpful to have more time in the integration phase. It's always a challenge. You know, that's definitely in terms of facilitating these kinds of things. The integration part's are always the hardest. Um, because usually, you know, it's not immediately after that the hardest part of integration comes. It's actually, you know, the first slap in the face is getting back to the city. Yeah. You know, because you, that's when you realise how yeah. open and sensitive you are.
0: Yeah. You start to that, notice that it. That first time you're sort of driving back towards the city, you go to the petrol station and you have to interact with someone. Or, or something of that ilk. Pretty incidental, yeah. but you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, I've had, well, it's not been to a vision quest. I've had plenty of experiences of that, and it almost feels like physically jarring. It
1: is, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I don't like this. Totally. It's a very different mode of operating, mm. which is so much, you know, that's why the process doesn't just happen, you know, during those four days, it's, mm. and it's not just an unfolding out of what happened in those four days, but.
0: Do you stay in touch over the following weeks?
1: Yeah, I'll check in with, with people. Mm. I mean, you know, over time, the more people go through it, the more then I can aim for building, you know, like mm. a community. And fortunately with the place that I use most to run Quest now, they hold a really beautiful space too and really welcome people back. So what's happened is that people go back and, you know, visit the place, you know, they're welcome to come back pretty much and whenever. Connect with everything. Yeah, and then people who've done different quests end up meeting mm. each other and, you know, so that, that's worked really yeah. beautifully in that, in that regard. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing, especially for people who don't have all that many people around them yes who can really get what just happened yeah um so i you know or
0: even hold space of what they've done yeah because so in the background of, of the podcast at the moment i and a few others are doing um a small subjective research project into mm-hmm. what we're referring to as sort of psychological or spiritual awakening experiences or existential crises, And one of the things that's coming out in that is that more and more people are being drawn to these interior exploration experiences. So they go into their interior a lot, lot more. And you know, like four days out in nature, that's, that's a tip-top exposure, mm. you know, I know a lot of people are drawn to psychedelics and particularly like ayahuasca and stuff like that. Mm. And and whilst this is going to piss a lot of people off, I find that a bit lazy on one level because you just drink the thing and then it does it for you and you go off. Mm. I mean, yeah, you've got to have a bit of bravery to stick it in your mouth and then throw it up. Yeah, but it, it does a job for you. Mm. So it's very much from the outside world coming in, whereas this is an internal thing and staying internal. So, but I'm not here to cast judgment on which one's the coolest hardcore or any of that crap, <laughs> right? It's just whatever floats your boat. But ultimately, these are all around exploring our interiors. We don't seem to have a culture that's all set up for even normalizing a discussion around exploring your interior, it's very much a private, intimate space that you just don't share.
2: Mm.
0: Or you'll share just a little bit, and then when you have a partner, you know, you'll know, you share a bit more, but then even there, you know, there'll be other layers mm. that you're like, fuck, I'm not saying that, because mm. they'll think I'm a fucking nut job or something like yeah. that, and I don't want to lose the partnership and the friend, you know, and the closeness and the intimacy and the love and affection that comes with that. So, more and more what I'm finding is that people explore their interior through one method or thing or another. And yeah, it's not straight away when things start to happen. It can be in weeks, months later, that all of a sudden something's changed, Mm. the way they make sense of the world, Mm -hmm. their priorities and everything. And it's that, yeah, integration Mm. and the ability to talk to somebody which... Um, or lack thereof, which can cause these psychological crises, mm. existential crisis. So, do you find that happens with some of your...
1: Yeah. See, it's funny, like, you know, the existential crisis, like, dark night of the soul thing. Doing something mm. like a quest can either help you get through it, or it can also help put you into one. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of just a matter of, like, where you're at in your yeah. development. But either way, it's a sign of like, well, I don't like using the word progress, but you know, it's a sign of coming to more and more ability to make mm. m- meaning in a way that gets closer to truth. Yes, it's one way of putting it. Someone's truth.
0: Yeah. And the truth. There you
1: go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it definitely, um, you know, is something that does happen, and th- but. This gets back to like, because I, I don't like talking about things of like, you know, in terms of this is personal development. Yeah. Because I'm ri- the whole point of this mm. <laughs> is to develop ourselves in partnership with the rest of life. Because yes. that ultimate truth is that we are not separate. I mean, duh. People say that a thousand times, but there's so much spiritual shit going around that's like, let's just you know mm. work on our blah, 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 you know, and it's all from this mindset of the person as this individual ego. Yeah. Not that they would ever use that word, but they don't realize that they're projecting that deeply held worldview onto Mm -hmm. spirituality. Yes. And then what happens is people have these so-called peak experiences or moments of like clarity or the feeling of power or whatever. And then the ego just goes, I'll take that you know, yes. and finds a way to integrate what's happened into their story of why I'm so good or, you know, I mean, the ego works in other ways other than just I'm good. It also really reinforces I'm shit too. Oh yeah. Um, it, it just wants control, you know, Yeah. but, um, that's why, you know, working with nature is so important because mm. we we're working in tandem to, yes, get to know our inner nature, but it's also a process of coming to know outer nature yes, and ultimately true nature um, at the same time. And if we do that, then the risk of ex- existential crisis becomes a hell of a lot less because mm. we see ourselves as just part of this greater pattern of things. Mm. And so, you know, A, we don't get that, I don't feel quite so isolated because... I come to know that you know we're never really alone. Yeah, you know if you can go out into the wilderness for four days, like,
0: hundred <laughs> percent.
1: You know, and this is yeah. And
0: you're not alone. You're not alone. And things, even the stuff in the interior, is not that bad.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not I, that yeah. scary.
1: Because do you like sit with it, and this is you know you you mentioned yeah. you know ayahuasca, which can be very helpful. But the thing that I really like about the quest as an alternative to that approach is that, like I was saying, how we give people a lot of room to make decisions for what level of like comfort um, they want.
2: Yeah. A
1: really big part of that for me, and like how I aim to like hold the space for people, is that I'm giving them the power to make their own decisions because ultimately, then they know everything that happens comes from them, the choices yes. that they've made, and their yes. authentic relationship with life around them. Yes. And there was no need for anything else to, you know, be taken or imbibed or yeah. passing over their power to a shaman or, you know, yeah. whatever it is.
0: Like you said, you know, if, if it's time to tap out, they can leave the message. Yeah. Or, you know, they can walk out.
1: They can, yeah, can yeah. come back in I'm there all the time, you know, it's,
0: yeah.
1: everyone gets what they need. Yes. And even, you know, quests that, quests can look very different. Yeah, people oh, come 100%. out with completely different Stories, well again we're talking about
0: that interior subjective experience yeah. so they are
1: yeah 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 i mean and i don't want to say like i'll do a quest and you know like the existential thing isn't um, a problem because it really can be i mean i you know sometimes people do a few quests and then the existential crisis comes because mm. it really is you know it, it takes a lot of undoing of how we've been conditioned yeah. and then it's hard to then know how to sort of operate and function in a world that comes from a very different Hmm. um, place. But yeah, once you've started on the journey, at least you're better resourced to know then how to, you know, keep working through it. Hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: Do you find um, Mm -hmm. in the, bunny ears, sales (laughs) and marketing of this, because it is your work (laughs) and business, what do you think (laughs) about that?
1: Buddy is, sorry, I didn't I was doing
0: that a lot. <laughs> yeah, buddy is. Um, that when, that I would imagine for something like this, that when someone's called to it, then they're called to it. Yeah. And then, then yeah. yeah, okay, this is probably a discussion and taking away a couple of the like, top-level barriers of oh, well, how does it work and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But if somebody's called, then they're called. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I've given up light.
0: Trying to convince people into it, yeah, you wouldn't even want to. I you? mean,
1: I'm no, you don't want to convince people into it because then you there's a mismatch between what they think yeah. they're doing and what they're really kind of mm. willing to surrender to. Um, yeah, and it's so it's always a funny thing. Like you know, more and more, I want you know my work and how I earn money to be, you know, what I will just how I get what needs to sustain me. It doesn't have to be money, mm. but um. You know, I want it to be at least then feeding all this good stuff and what I, you know, this sort of work that's really important in the world. Mm. But yeah, that sales and marketing—it's like I've I've literally just given up. I'm just like I am just gonna share it, mm. hope people, you know, hear those who
0: catch the real, on will catch on.
1: Yeah, resonate with it. I mean, you know, of course, there's a job to get the invitation out to people and um, yeah you know, in a way that's clear so they can understand it and all that kind of thing. Yeah. um, yeah. (laughs) Mm. It gets trickier because I'm trying to tailor the work more and more to, not tailor it, but to be able to work with groups, not just individuals, because, you know, which is relates to what we were just discussing. Like there comes a point when individual work development realizations kind of reaches this pressure point when it butts up against a collective life that is you know mm. operating from a very different place yeah so at some point in time we need to be able to take that kind of awareness from the individual and have it integrated mm. as part of our collective life yeah so i'm more and more interested in working with organizations not because corporate pays well <laughs> but because we actually need that to be integrated into, mm. you know, mainstream life. Like I'm all for like working on building the new and alternative systems, but at some point we also need part of what's the current system to go through a form of, you know, transition, Yeah. or at least to be ready to jump on board when some step change, you know, mm. kind of enters. Um, and then we also get the effect that you know, culture gradually changes. And so we have more and more people who, you know, are willing to support, um, you know, someone who's gone through a big transition, Yes. you know, in a workplace. Like, you know, when you're not yeah. met, you know, at the moment, it's more normal to not talk about, Yes. you know, that kind of thing. And so. one
0: of the things in the research that we've found is that, um, yeah, that some of the things that make it uncomfortable and jarring is knowing that, oh I need to have some time off work because I just can't function but yeah. there's expectations on my work and I can't say that so I'll just say something to do with mental health and that yeah. might be enough to keep people at bay for a week or
1: Yeah, no, I need some space to integrate <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not
0: it's not really a thing um, So if we come out of this and take on board you know, particularly nature as a key component um, and a great, as you said before like a church and teacher etc etc what are you seeing going on in our community society culture particularly here in 2020 which Mm. has been a a fascinating year to say the least Um, because you strike me as someone who's very connected not just to individuals but collectives as Mm. well What do you feel at the moment? Because, yeah, Mm. I'll let you just go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, lots of different ways to answer that question. Yeah. I feel... I appreciate
0: it's a massive, broad question. Yeah.
1: I feel cautiously excited Mm. (laughs) because I get the sense that 2020 has been a very galvanizing year. Mm. Like in terms of it really asking us really who we are, what do we value, and realizing that, you know, things are gonna be changing anyway. So how can we feel that we have some influence over that direction of change? Like, Mm. I feel like there's more of a desire to be active, Um, in terms of, you know, having some power over where things are going and, you know, all the things that have gone on, you know, even, you know, we just recently, you know, with the US elections and that kind Mm. of thing. But even with COVID and, you know, that sense of like, well, who really knows what's going on? Mm. Um, I believe that there's more and more, there's a lack of faith in just taking, you know, the mainstream like narrative for yeah. how things are. Not saying yeah. that, of course, it hasn't then forced people to want to hold on to that more tightly because, you know, we feel it slipping through our fingers and yeah. we, want, we want what we thought was, you know, our solid ground, but it makes me excited because I think then, you know, while it's like, like a rite of passage, while it's not comfortable, mm. <laughs> that if we can, you know, embrace the ordeal and yeah. fully go into it, then we can actually can really do that, you know, alchemy and, and come out the other side. I mean, I noticed like there's been just in the last month or two, like so many more people than normal contact me about a quest or... You know, mm. have
0: does that surprise you?
1: It doesn't surprise me. I actually I was... thought it was going to be earlier. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: was
1: like, all right, okay, everyone's yeah. really going to okay. I need, yeah. you know, I want something yeah, to right. help me navigate this mm. shit show of, you know, <laughs> mm. <laughs> just what? Yeah. The fuck, you know, I need something. Exactly, and that, and because for me, like, I don't, I don't know how I would get through life if I didn't have that anchor to. You know, the sacred, in a way. Like if I, the gifts that I've been given out, you know, on solo time, possibly the biggest one of them all is just that little, you know, flame that sometimes it's hard to see, but like deep inside, there's somewhere that knows that I can trust life and how it unfolds, hmm. and that, I love that
0: trust life and how it unfolds. Yeah.
1: Because when you realize, like, the fundamental, you know, life force itself is always seeking to promote life. Yeah. So, and even if you, like, look at, you know, patterns in nature, for example, hmm. even though some systems go into decay and some, you know, species try something weird and it fails. <laughs> yeah. All that's still learning for the bigger whole. Yeah. So, you know, and, and when something decays, it releases energy that then nourishes something else.
0: Well, I, a couple of weeks ago, ended up having a fantastic conversation with Graham Upsum from Touchwood Mushrooms down in Denmark. Oh, cool. Uh, very gifted um, mushroom. Mm. I wouldn't say grower, cultivator. Cool. But when you actually dive into just what's going on in the mycelium network and the mushrooms, yeah, a tree falls over and then all of a sudden these things arrive and you're like,
1: wow. Yeah. And the
0: spores are always traveling. Yeah. And um, you just understand that, yeah, it's con- constantly on, po- constantly progressing, moving, morphing. Totally. And it was just fascinating. and To me, there was just so much to learn, consider and meditate on from a bigger systemic point of view.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that was just mushrooms
1: exactly exactly and i really like you know i don't think it works like i mean it's useful to go and look at things in nature and then like uh, think how i can apply that back to my lived experience but i think Mm. you probably got that those you know lessons points for reflection from those mushrooms um because you already have you know a backing in you know consciousness development and Mm. whatever you want to call it because i think at some at some level, like learning from nature, is a process that is a very you know is a very embodied yes. process. So, you know, when I think like where does that trust of life come from? I, it would not be the same if I went oh well, ecosystems work in a way in which <laughs> yeah yeah you get you a know, head answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which is is useful
2: yeah
1: but really you know it needs to be coupled with mm. that like felt sense mm. of you know life wanting to work through you and with you and supporting you, which you see in, you know, signs of whether it's, you know, synchronicity, like things happening right at the right time. Mm. And, you know, and sometimes it's like, it's so playful. Like you just burst out laughing, like what appears at the right moment or, Mm. yeah, it's beautiful. And, you know, the space of a, a quest and especially, you know, longer periods of time you start to see that, you just go, oh my God, this is actually all the time. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, this is on all the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I was guilty in my 30s, you know, in my 20s, I did a lot of traveling, I went on all sorts of adventures, and I was just, I felt like I was always connected to whatever was going on. Mm. And in the 30s, you know, I go off into some corporate management consulting career, and it's only when you're on holiday, you suddenly sit, you know, after a couple of days, you go through the ritual of mm. shit faced for three days and then feel crap for a couple of days and then finally bottom out to being quiet and, and then you just look outside wherever you are and you just go well that tree has always been there mm. and it's just looking at me it's mm. been well, looking at me for the last several days <laughs> and it's always there and it's always faithfully waiting I always find you know like nature's faithfully waiting <laughs> well it's getting on with its own business but it's always there very welcoming it's mm. like you know it's like almost Greatest sign of unconditional love.
1: Totally. Like,
0: we're always here, dude. Whenever you're ready. Yeah. Whenever not here.
1: Yeah, totally. That's you know, how it nature's always ready to share its gifts. Because, you know, and like, like that to me is like mm. you know, even I always think about like a gift economy as, you know, if mm. we were to Need another, you know, way of distributing resources, you know, get, make sure everyone gets what they need. Just like, well, like everything. And I think we're getting better at realising is like, oh, living systems principles kind of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, how can we humans do that too? Um, you know, and a gift economy is like the natural economy. because yeah. Nature's not judging going, oh, well, I'm only going to give these three apples to that animal because yeah. they didn't do that other thing. Yeah, You know, it's like you give and it gets back to trusting life, right? You give because you trust that if you're, you know, mm. contributing to this growing, flourishing system, you get, you always get what you need back because yep. you are part of it. You are meant to be part of it. You actually belong as part of it. So, yeah.
0: Which is why we've, Gone so far apart from. Mm.
1: We've forgotten all that, mm. um, and it it will take. It's not to say that it's. There's that's not. Just because I reckon it's true, it also doesn't mean it's easy. Like I don't think getting back to humans living in harmony with the natural world, is gonna happen. Um, quickly, you know. Like, I wouldn't say that I'm optimistic. Even though I trust life, I wouldn't say. Mm that I'd be necessarily described as optimistic about you know the next century or two <laughs> yeah but also when you see things in as in greater and greater holes you also mm. go that's also okay you know i'm not saying that i particularly am looking forward to experiencing you know as the as system breakdown gets closer to home but you know, when you go, I'm part of life and life is doing its thing and in a way that's beautiful. Yeah. Um,
0: well, that's not to give us a bypass on our no. on our decisions that we make, God. but I sometimes, you know, it's all very, sometimes I find it's all very easy to, particularly here in WA, and that's probably again a reference from living in England, it's very easy for people and uh, even in myself to go, oh, we need to go back to old ways of doing this, this and this, and it's easy to do that, but at the same time, I think to myself, well, life, spirit, consciousness, whatever you want to say, it's, it's, we've evolved this way.
2: Mm.
0: And nature doesn't do things for shits and giggles.
2: Mm.
0: There is a reason why we've evolved this way. It doesn't necessarily mean that the end point is now. You know, and our minds love endpoints, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't like process or in process. You know, I've used the analogy before. If I had a ball in my hand and threw it up in the air, in the air, your your mind's not going to be really happy with the ball until it's back in my hand mm-hmm. and it and it's done mm-hmm. done the travel. But mm-hmm. it's been there all the time. So it's kind of it's not to give us a free pass on on facing up to our responsibilities, but at the same time calm down and just go, well, you know, nature's pushing us or consciousness is pushing us in this direction to learn something, to Mm. move somewhere Mm. where that may be, where the end of this stage development destination is. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. But it's part of it. So when you get into the real darkest parts of the existential impact of considering what we're doing with nature and our lack of connection.
2: Mm.
0: It's still there, it's still waiting. Things like vision quests are there. Mm. There's a reason why more and more people are being dragged to. And I like, you know, I like the idea of collectively that we've had to sort of go away to fully appreciate and come back with something new, whatever Mm. that is. Mm. You know I like the whole idea of transcendent include, transcendent include.
1: Yeah. yeah, important. And I also like, <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting line of questioning, you yeah, know inquiry, yeah. you know it gets to like what's the role of humans? It also gets yeah. to you know you've also got to be careful about going just because it's all okay, doesn't mean humans are actually a part of the future. because yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. species do come up and then they disappear, you know. Because we're serving a, a function for the whole, I'm sure,
2: mm.
1: ultimately that function might be the cause of enough of a disruption that after we're gone there's a great flourishing of life. Yes. you know so I don't ever take it for granted that just because humans are here for a reason actually means that nature's going to keep us. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I think actually that's still very much up to us, yes, because no matter how we play it nature's going to incorporate it ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I get, like, I find a lot of, um, you know, spiritual and even nature love, and actually more so nature-loving people end up in this, like, oh, well, you know, humans are crap, nature is good, um, but it's okay when we're gone, nature will be fine. So really we just have to worry about, the, you know, then it goes into weird, like, so we just have to worry about the humans, or we just have to hurry up and get over and done with, or hmm. let's just ignore it all because I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> But I'm like, no. But that's actually the quest. That question is really, what is our role here? Because just say nature will be fine. Eventually, we could. We're already causing, you know, hmm. this sixth mass, ex- mass extinction some modeling of climate change shows we could wipe out virtually all life on earth. Maybe it'll come, you know, guessing we'll, will probably come back, but like just how much is acceptable to us? Like, mm. and ultimately like, yeah, are we living up to the role that we've been given? So I really, I really do like those, you know, the role of having a grand narrative, like a story that tells mm. us mm. where humans have come from and why we're, um, here. So obviously, you know, the common theme in indigenous cultures and including Noongar culture, that story of us being the carers of everything, custodianship, you know, there's a common theme around humans were given the role of looking after everything. Mm. And that's what I think, you know, ultimately that's the only answer to all those questions that we can at least rest in that a bit and not try to like, just stop trying to work it all out. Cause we'll never yeah, work yeah, it yeah. out. There's no right answer really.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah was it the complexity of the current challenges faced are way bigger than the horsepower of one individual. (laughs) Totally.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, coming back to go, well, how are we, you know, because ultimately what that means to me is like we're acting just like nature does in terms of like trying to take care of all of life and trying to promote the flourishing of all. So, you know, that's where just embodying nature Mm. comes comes back to being so important because the more that we can, you know, embody those principles and embody generativity itself, Mm. to me that's where the answer, you know, once you go through that line of questioning, to me that's the only place it can really kind of come back to. Because I think if you stop at any point in time go, well I don't have to do anything because it's all perfect, you're like, well you've just cut yourself off from that process because you've just, you know, stopped listening, because you've decided that (laughs) Yeah and that's not you know that's not nature that's not flow that's not life moving through you that's like Hmm. you actually cutting that off yeah um or likewise nature will be fine which is a lovely trust in nature but also then cutting yourself off from it you know it's exactly yeah
0: do you um so here's a question probably more personal one is that the last several years um before any sort of large-scale collective events like covid Mm -hmm. etc um for you to do your the work that you've done obviously you've been through your journey Mm -hmm. um which is your interior um interior experience and you i find that Previous to 2020, you kind of have to hold your your own space, Mm. and now because there's more of these shared, larger experiences, it sets a nice context for people to open up to these sorts of discussions. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. So how have you found the journey from holding your own space to almost like, because, do you see where I'm going?
1: Yeah, like finally, the time has come.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that. That's kind of it. Because, you know, I've, I've been doing this podcast for three years and I've listened to people's stories and it felt like different people are on their own little stories, mm. uh, on their own little journeys. Mm. And I've started to, through doing it, notice patterns in things that people are saying and so I'm starting to go this is more like the truth of what the human Mm. experience is about Mm. but the narrative that we tell ourselves is just so far apart Mm. and now and and there's never been these sort of reconciliation events collectively Mm. individually yes but individually you can pass those off really quickly Mm. Or they can be, you know, pushed down or whatever. But now, you know, we, we were all asked to stay at home and this, that, and the other, you know. Everybody had to be at home. Everybody had to be with themselves. Yeah. Everybody. So all of a sudden now, the conversation that I've been sort of having with a smaller group of people, now all of a sudden everybody wants to chat to Bryn about this. Yeah. Or, or, and you've sort of intimated that with more people want to come on Vision Quest. Quest and yeah. stuff like that. Are you... So I guess the sort of question I'd like to hear your view on is, have you seen a similar sort of thing? Mm. And are you seeing like a closing of the gap between, what's the bullshit narrative we tell ourselves and the reality and truth of who we are and what what we're up to? Yeah. Or at least the genesis towards that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think probably um, I can't, answer that completely just because through no. all this like i've been quite insular myself in this feeling of like you know really needing to stay mm. like not jump into action too quickly mm. like even after restrictions have been lifted sometimes like going out to like oh my god too soon um yeah and it's probably for other reasons but I've i've felt personally still like just I haven't been reaching out to too many people so far to mm. have a flavour of what the you know broader conversation is like. However, I feel like even just you know looking at when, and you know talking to friends who work in different disciplines, mm. there does seem to be uh, more and more of a. Area, people coming back to the same kinds of, yeah, ways of thinking about things, mm. and yeah, much more um, integrated, and yeah, those just those little moments that come up in conversations where you're talking about, you know, examples from very, very different contexts, but people are starting to notice the same kinds of mm. patterns and same kinds of, you know, desire to just go, oh, can we just like, stop with the you know the nonsense like yeah whether it's you know people getting more and more interested in you know how the economy functions and more or less and less people having trust that like oh yeah you should just buy a house and you know be part of this bigger thing to you know there's that type type of conversation to like getting more interested in local economies and local currency and all that mm. kind of thing it all ends up looking like yes more and more people are realizing that we need to be um inventing other ways yes and that that needs to come from you know a much more real place of like connection um, and it needs to be serving all of humanity but also more and more about the realization of including nature Hmm. um yeah, so I can only really answer your question in a general way because mm. I'm sort of, you know, in the process of getting myself to that point of doing a, you know, conversation-based project that aims to weave in, you know, different areas. So mm. I'm sure if we <coughs> talk about this in like six months' time, I'm going to have plenty of stories. More articulate. <laughs> yeah, because that's kind of the... The goal. I mean, that's sort of the premise that it's based upon is that we are sort of ready for this higher level of, you know, sense making and Mm. that we're ready to actually form this sort of group, you know, community, like collective coherence. Yes. So that we have a common language. We've made sense with enough, um, you know, on enough of a level of collective intelligence Mm -hmm. that that gives us a platform to sort of move from like. I'm launching this project because I do really believe that there's that readiness and you know, now's the time that people are open to it and willing to it and desire to explore. Mm. Um, So yeah, I hope that's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I do feel there's a general shifting in people's Mm. collective sense making, always starting to see that. Um,
1: Which is funny though, because is at the same time as all this polarisation happening
0: well yeah I, th- I think we're underplaying as well the collective trauma that's occurring mm. and has occurred yeah. in the past mm. um, you know, the way that we've done things um, you know since the post enlightenment rational you know, 1960s when we moved into the postmodern world Um, you know those sort of transitions and and the collective response to what has occurred this year Mm. it's unparalleled Mm. and if it I don't think anybody's not at some point not felt safe in the world
2: Mm.
0: you know all the pillars that we hold on to have been moved Mm. or taken away or shifted or Mm. things all those things that we orientate ourselves with I did a really interesting exercise one day with my journal. Uh, broke it back to what are the things that I reference myself with? Mm. And, and I made a list of them. And then I wrote down, are they actually tangibly real? Yeah. Or are they an internal construct? And you know, when I stripped it back, it came down to things like, am I awake? Am I asleep? Is the sun up? Is the sun up? You know, am I in the ocean? Am I wet or am I dry? You know? And, you know, it's, nature was definitely one of those as well, and the interaction with it. And I've said several times in previous um, previous podcast, Richard Granham was really good, you know, the sun is good, nature is good. Like, we've lost many of that. But it's also, they're great, Places to just reference ourselves Mm. before we start referencing ourselves with all the rest of the junk. Yeah. And the constructs and stuff like that. Yeah. Previous podcast guest, Thomas Bjorkman, talked about air and money. We all say that we can't live without either of them. But we could collectively agree tomorrow that we don't have to bother with money. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Be a big job, don't get me
0: wrong. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not being idealistic. But we can't collectively suddenly say tomorrow we're not going to bother with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nature to me is like, like it's truth in terms of, mm. yeah, it's the great leveler because ultimately if we didn't, you know, have a planet or, you know, healthy ecosystems, water, air, mm. then yeah, we would be fucked. Um, but also in that way that nature is spirit made manifest. It's, it is just, it is just creation expressing itself. And so, That's why all those, you know, beautiful, wise, like Lao Tzu, Taoist, or, you know, Buddhist, they're great at using nature metaphors. I mean, Aboriginal people are amazing at using nature metaphors. Mm. And they use it because they express truth more eloquently and, you know, simplistically Mm. than anything else that we could create, could Mm. explain. And that's why i got... You know, one of the things I'm trying to work on is how to um, not just talk to like, you know, leaders or organisations about living systems principles and how that could apply to, you know, like organisational design or whatever. Because that's, you know, kind of other people have already started that work, but also then how to give people that deep, you know, embodied, connected experience in nature to sort of, you know, be able to marry the two of like mm. a felt um, sense of those patterns in nature married with the like cognitive understanding of, like, you know, how to be an agent in a complex adaptive system. How could we organize around principles of how nature mm. organizes? And I think that, like,
0: how's that received?
1: Well, I don't know yet. I'm testing, oh, right. I'm about okay. to test all this.
0: <laughs> Excellent.
1: I feel like, you know, the, when I have conversations with with people about it, you know, just informal ones so far, it's. Mm you know so far that's being it is like oh yeah, oh yeah of course you know like it kind of yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. sense I mean I've worked with a couple of organisations so far who get it but it's always taken you know one leader who's you know already really switched on mm. um, who wants to then you know bring that to more and more of their mm. staff but you know you've got to people are at different stages of readiness so we're have been strategizing how to be you know Mm. smart in the approach to you know meeting people where they're at Um, because it is complex you know like it's complexity intellectually it's complexity even like emotionally because the process of connecting brings up a lot of stuff yeah um for people and like you can't people's healing journey can't not be you know part of all that too because if a helping give people a sort of, you know, deep experience out in nature, you can't not talk about that stuff and, yeah. you know.
0: And not talking about it will actually send you into some sort of neurosis or psychosis, yeah. which is probably worse than where you were before. Totally.
1: Yeah. And mm. it's not... Um, so this is a challenge
0: yeah. I find. And it... It's like taking these bigger integrated thinking, but then putting them into... These quite narrow organisms of, let's just say, like a corporate business environment, Um, and I say narrow because they're there to serve like one, Mm. one maybe two functions: Mm. i.e. deliver profit, shareholder return, and and we can dress it up like we want, you know, community engagement and all of that. But you know. Been a business consultant for 15 years, and I've seen how you know how much money is spent on community engagement and all the great stuff, and then how that disappears mm. so quickly mm-hmm. when you you, you mm-hmm. dial down the profitability and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. You know, and so and there's always that reward that's then linked within the consumer catalyst yeah, system. Yeah. You know, and it to me, without seeming pessimistic, it's always destined to fail. Yeah because we're not recognizing where the organization sits in, yep. I, I, in the ecosystem. yeah. And there's not that many people who can hold all the different nuances in their concentration span at the different yep. levels all at the same time. Because what you're talking about is, 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 is deeply nuanced um, and, and does require people to hold opposite. Mm tensions of opposites and things like that mm. to understand that, you know, you know, even nature itself can contradict itself. You know, It'd be amazingly growing stuff here and then not decaying stuff and entropy there and it's like, well, what's one and the other and, you know, so, it can be challenging and I, I you know, as one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you again today mm. is, it's because if anybody can see how it's not like I said, pessimistically destined to fail mm. because it's one slither within a big integrated yeah. thing. And fuck, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, totally. Um,
1: I mean, I get, I get sick of that. Like, I mean, there's a line I heard today. Like, oh, there's no, there's not a tension between you know making money and doing good because you know look, a, look is. at all these examples yeah. of businesses who do better because they're doing good because it's not what people. I'm like, that's good in some cases. But the reality is that like you can't, the whole economic system is built on taking things that were complex and making it simple, like turning nature into products, turning human and their relationships into sellable chunks of data. Yeah. That is an entropic system you know, mm. let alone, you know, that's just thinking in that living system complexity stuff. Like to me, like it's just obvious. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's that, but that's where I kind of hope COVID and all the other disruption that's happened, you know, especially this year, but has been happening a lot more in general, um, helps create the space for conversations where, you know, the transition part. There will be a phase of like weird. (laughs) We were in one, you know, phase state and we're moving to some other one and we don't know what that is yet.
0: And that's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. But it doesn't mean just ignore that until that time has come. Yeah. It means that there's a period of transition that we can be smart about. And I hope to be finding more and more leaders and organizations who go "Uh, we know that what we're doing could be completely different in the future we may not even have a role in the future who knows Mm. but we need to be creating space you know for that conversation that goes shit will we say we want to make profit and do good we actually know that that's really (laughs) Mm. difficult but so to have that real conversation about it's a very it's a fundamentally flawed, self-terminating system that we are a part of. Yes. We don't want to necessarily feed it. Game A. Is yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yet we also, the game B isn't here yet. Yeah. So like, what can we do that's in full acknowledgement of this situation, even though that's completely weird for us to talk about as a, you know, business or, yeah. yeah. And I don't know, it's not just, businesses that you know i think this is applicable to but where's that um i think there's more opening now to have that yes acknowledgement and definitely openness but still going like it's still it's so challenging because like i said it's complex mentally it's complex emotionally it's complex spiritually yes and people are at different levels of readiness so how can we create what did I say to my friend once, like islands of safety and nodes of resilience, <laughs> mm. you know, where people can can be supporting each other because, like, I mean, it comes full circle back around to that, you know, notion of existential crisis and, you know, the lack of ability to support each other in our collective life um, because the culture's not there but how could you, you know, in the groups you're already involved with, whether it's work, whether it's a community group or volunteer you know whatever it is like be able to change at least the culture within your own group at least be able to have honest conversations about where you're at and how you're working and helping each other and navigating that honest conversations yeah yes and realizing that okay like let's think about some principles that we're aiming to try to live by and we're going to keep our awareness Mm. open to when you know the opportunity comes for us to you know move and be able to Um, integrate that more because that's really like what's that saying like you know we need more leaders like the samurai that have meditated on the thousand ways they could die not so they're so much willing to go and die (laughs) but so that when they're faced with a really tough situation you know it's not a shock to them that you're actually prepared for it and that's like real you know resilience on like a collective level Mm. to me like it's Better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Mm. So, we need to be having those spaces for those, you know, pretty confronting conversations about the real- reality of where we're at.
0: Yeah, and stay open in those yeah. conversations.
1: And how do we still live with joy despite all that? You know, that's really what takes up most of my, (laughs) you know, time Mm. and thinking. That's the Mm. big picture of where it all fits. And then, you know, the answer is nature, tools like questing um, and healing. Hmm. Yeah. So
0: the last question I ask all my guests. Oh, yeah. Hypothetical one. I love the answers out of these. (laughs) Is if um, you could upload a single question into the collective consciousness, so everybody just sat still for 10 minutes and Mm. considered it all at once, Mm. Um, what would that be?
1: I'm always really bad at thinking of questions, but um, (laughs) the one that came to me straight away when you said that was, who am I Mm. to contemplate? Who am I? Mm. Which is, you know, it's a spiritual practice, you know, to get to that, you know, what am I not? And strip away identity because Mm. that reforming of identity to, yeah, you know, to be more aligned with fundamental truth or spirituality, oneness, whatever you want to call it. But also that leaves space to then reform our identity in the context of, which again, it's where I think nature's so important, is that we also need to have that sense of like, you know, we are our place and we are um, our relationships and
0: Mm.
1: we are our ecology. We are.
0: That's how they wonky. We are all in this together.
1: (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been absolutely pleasure chatting to you today
1: thanks super enjoyed it
0: yeah (laughs) me too people want to find you and reach out where do they find you
1: Um, my website's clairevanderplank.com and I'm on Facebook if you're interested particularly in the quests Way of Nature WA Hmm. is um, the Facebook page where I'll put all the dates for the quests Um, or if you yeah go to the website and you can sign up for the newsletter and then you'll get notified when an event occurs. Yeah, those are good spots.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Claire, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.